So what's on your Christmas list? What are you asking Jesus for this Christmas season? Jesus actually asked three people in the passage that we're getting ready to look at in Mark 10 there. Three people that Jesus asked, what can I do for you? And the first two asked for glory. They want to be at his right hand and his left hand in the coming kingdom. They want to be powerful and famous and awesome. And then somebody else asked them for something. And it's Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 45 to 52. It's the account of a blind man named Bartimaeus. Jesus says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And then they, that is he and his followers, came to Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means the son of Timaeus, was sitting by him by the roadside begging. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then he rebuked him. They told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and he said, call him over here. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you now and throwing his cloak aside. The man jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. For Bartimaeus, blindness would have been a crippling experience to not be able to see, to not know where you are, to be utterly hopeless and helpless and defenseless and completely reliant on the goodness of other people who are not good and will take advantage of you. It would have been a terrifying place. And in this account is placed where it's placed in the account for a reason. Because two of Jesus' disciples, James and John, that have been walking with him for three years now, have just asked him for glory and power and fame and honor. And then Jesus starts talking to a man who knows he's blind. You can spend years and not get it and still spiritually be blind. It's a big entourage. It causes a scene. The man cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus is on his way to do something really important because this is their preparation to enter Jerusalem. In the very next passage, they're going into Jerusalem. It's the triumphal entry. This is one week before Jesus is nailed to a cross for my sins and faces the experience of God's judgment that I should have received. This is what's on Jesus' mind. He has really important business to attend to. He has to go save the world by suffering the wrath of God poured out on him. And he sees this guy who has needs. And so what does he do? But he stops. It's a lesson to us. Consider the weight of what Jesus is going through. I mean, the cross, what was the cross? If you, if you think about what was happening on the cross, what Jesus is preparing to do at this moment, the cross is God's effort to end the warfare between humanity and God. 
It's something the scripture consistently describes that that we're born into this world with a broken relationship with God and we blame God and he blames us because we're sinners. I know I'm signing up. I'm a sinner. And and it's like in an argument. You know how an argument goes. Argument never ends until somebody uh, uh, takes the blame. You know, it's like, no, you're wrong. I'm telling you, you're the one that's wrong. No, I am not the one that's wrong. You're the one that's wrong. I'm not the one that's wrong. You're the one. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. Stop getting emotional. Don't make it about my emotions. And, and it keeps going on forever. Some of you have had this argument for 50 plus years. And, and it never, ever stops until somebody says, okay. I'm wrong. It never stops until someone takes the blame. And in the conflict between God and all of his recalcitrant children, the cross is when God stepped in and said, I'm going to end the warfare between me and you. I am going to take the blame. The one who is actually righteous, the one who is actually holy, says, okay, I'll go to the cross. Blame me. Pour it all on me. I'll take all of the wrath and all of the blame. And that's what Jesus is preparing to do. And that's the only thing that can make me stop in my tracks and say, no, Lord, I was the one that was wrong. When he steps up to take the blame for humanity. It's why every Christian church has at its center a a, a Roman torture device, a cross, because that's where God stepped up to the plate to take the blame for all of my guilt and shame and rebellion. That's what Jesus is going to do. And then he comes across Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus needs help. Bartimaeus is not asking for glory. He's asking for mercy. He knows he's damaged. He knows he's broken. He knows he's not right. Do you know what that feels like when you know that your body is falling apart and it's not what it was meant to be? When you know that your soul is not what it meant to be? When I know that I am so much less than the best of humanity. Bartimaeus knows what it feels like to be damaged. Bruce Robinson says there's no bargaining for position or status like James and John. Bartimaeus isn't trying to impress anybody. He's not wanting to be the greatest in the coming kingdom. He doesn't want to sit at the right hand of Jesus in glory. He's just broken and he believes that Jesus can rescue him. And the heart of Jesus, the heart of God in Christ is drawn like a magnet to human pain and sin and suffering and brokenness. This isn't Santa Claus here. Santa Claus is the one who's making a list and he's checking it twice and he's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. It's a workspace system with Santa Claus. You've got to be good. There's no room for naughty people. This is the opposite of that that Jesus is doing. Jesus is saying, I came for naughty people to take the blame for naughty people like me. That's what he's going to the cross for. And he sees Bartimaeus and his heart goes out to him. It's the magic and mystery of grace that God loves naughty people. God loves naughty pastors. God rewards naughty pastors. It's the only religion on the planet where you can say, God, I have horribly wronged you and dishonored you and disrespected you. And here's what I need you to do. Because that's the magic and mystery of grace. You know, you know who began to sense this? Leonard Cohen, you know, began to get a sense of this. The poet, singer, songwriter, you know, Leonard Cohen died a couple years ago. Um, For many people, he became famous with his kind of moving, biblically infused, broken hallelujah, especially that last line, I'll stand before the Lord of song with nothing on my tongue, but hallelujah. 
Uh, He was a a man who would not describe himself as particularly religious. He was Jewish. He never disavowed his being Jewish. And uh, yet he was always fascinated and drawn to the person and work of Jesus. He commented on the song, The Captain. He said, what I mean to say in this song is that there are many things about Christianity that attract me. The figure of Jesus is extremely attractive. It's difficult not to fall in love with this man. I'm very fond of Jesus Christ, he says. He may be the most beautiful guy who ever walked the face of the earth. Any guy who says, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, has got to be a figure of unparalleled generosity and insight and madness. A man who declared himself to stand among thieves and prostitutes and the homeless. His position cannot be comprehended. It's inhuman generosity. A generosity that would overthrow the world if it was embraced because nothing would ever weather that compassion. He says, I'm not trying to alter the Jewish view of Jesus Christ. But to me, in spite of what I know about the history of legal Christianity, the figure of the man has touched me a figure of unparalleled generosity and insight and inhuman generosity that cannot be comprehended. Friends, that's the gift of Christmas. Not that we're looking for God, but that he is looking for us. And he is the face of grace and mercy and compassion. If you're here and you know that you're broken, you know that you're damaged, friends, look at Jesus. Because in Jesus, you see the face of a God who is not an angry ogre shaking his stick at you. He's not, you know, a guy counting your debits against you. He is one who is willing to carry the burden of your sin and mine. It's why he came to earth. It's why he was born. Even pastors have to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Because if I'm honest with myself, I'm not righteous. I'm defective. I'm broken. I'm damaged goods. I got an anger problem. You don't want to drive in front of me when I'm running late for something. You know, I'm I'm the naughty pastor. And yet, Jesus came specifically for naughty pastors. Do you understand that, friends? Do Do you get the gospel? You know, you can, you can try to describe the beauty of knowing Jesus to someone, but, but it, it can sometimes, it's like a man from the desert who's never seen the ocean, and he has no concept for it. And you can talk to him about, well, it's water, and he's seen a cup of water. He has a well down in the village, and, and you say, well, it's like that, only it's a lot bigger. It's a whole lot of that. Friends, have you, have you seen the ocean? Have you, have you dived into the ocean? Are you swimming in the ocean of God's grace? My prayer for all of us this Christmas season is that you would swim in the ocean of God's infinite love and grace and compassion, specifically by being the big shameful sinner, the broken man who cries out to Jesus and says, Son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, I want to see When that captures your heart, oh, friends, you'll see Jesus. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light on those who dwell in endless gloom. A light has shown Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus, a light to those who were born blind. Jesus, who entered our darkness and let it crush him so that we might by his mercy and compassion see Lord Jesus Christ this Christmas. Have mercy on me, son of David, I want to see. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, my prayer is that we, like Bartimaeus, might see. 
Lord, that you would shine the light of your grace upon us in such a way that we might have renewed hope and renewed joy and renewed life. Lord, we give you thanks for your faithfulness and for your love. In the name of Jesus Christ, whom we worship together with you in the unity of your Holy Spirit. Praise be your name this Christmas season. Amen. As we sing, we will be lighting candles. Uh, Keith and I will begin. Uh, and then if you could then turn around and light the candles of those around you so that everybody uh, uh, can take part in this. Um, at the end, when you blow your candle out, um, 24 years experience in the same church has taught me that hot wax flies really fast, really far. Make sure there's not a face like right about here when you blow yours out. Um, but we're thankful that you're able to be here among us as our family this Christmas season.